0: from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So
1: you don't charm the devil with your rock and roll. Lord no. knows that country music's gonna save we your soul. soul. The oh, right. Welcome back to The Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. And in the studio today, we have a good old friend of mine, April Wachtel, the founder of Swig and Swallow and uh, an all-around amazing bar person. And, you know, <laughs> like, it's it's really great to have you in the studio, first of all, and welcome.
2: Thanks. Thanks. It's yeah. great to be here.
1: It's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I you know, right before the show, we were talking about um, presentation on cocktails. And uh, lately, you've been doing... Uh, this kind of like instagram campaign of <laughs> of cocktail photography but they're they're all mocktails right yeah. they're all non-alcoholic cocktails uh-huh. so what was the inspiration for that
2: oh god there's um there's a there's a few um a few things that i, I suppose had motivated me to do this one is um is firstly i just love i just love beautiful cocktails i love beautiful food sure. i'm somebody who eats with my eyes oh yeah i also eat with my mouth obviously and a lot (laughs) that must hurt (laughs) (laughs) um but so this is something that it's just um you know if i if i see a beautiful cocktail across the room i just you know i just want to go and 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 consume it so that's one thing is i i um well
1: actually as a bartender too you want that to happen you want your cocktails to like go through the room and create a domino effect it's like you know people talk uh about like not liking to make mojitos i'm like dude it's a really easy drink <laughs> and you can make it really pretty if you just know how to do it the right way the actual right way and then as soon as but it's always like a training reaction you know it's like spreads like wildfire across the bar room someone sees a mojito and they're like oh actually i want one of those too or like a ramus gin fizz
2: even yeah yeah, yeah. oh totally <laughs> and of course and of course depending on where you work certain people will say one or the other is very hard to make and obviously yeah. it depends on how much you put into it but um i think that that notion for me of um Of creating something beautiful and then presenting it to somebody and saying, hey, I made this for you. To me, that's like, that's why we do this in the first place. Um, And so that's something that I've just been experimenting with, um, with styling cocktails at home, with um, taking photographs of them. Um, I had... uh, I'm not sure if I can say this on on the show. I had the balls to... Uh, can I say that? Yeah, okay. fuck yeah, you can. <laughs> okay. All right, so I, I had the balls to purchase a camera and and some lighting equipment. Um, I have not had the balls to really dive into that, so these were really all, like, iPhone photos. But um, So that's one thing. And then I think another thing is that I love being in the beverage industry. I love going out and having great cocktails, great wine, great beer, etc. cetera. Um, I don't always feel like consuming that when I'm out in that environment but I also don't want to sacrifice that community aspect where you know where you live in that space and you know people in that space and you don't necessarily want to give that up and say I'll just you know be drinking a soda water or I'll just be at home you Mm -hmm. know drinking my my mocktail you kind of like to be in that environment and have the ability to consume that too yeah
1: I mean like to me it's like I, I drink iced tea like some people drink whiskey yeah yeah um and uh, you know like i love lemonade and i love like i see i love these i don't drink coffee anymore i can't it just makes me crazy i had a
2: little too much today. <laughs> <FYI>. <laughs> right before the show. But,
1: but i mean like to me it's like if you're sitting around the house and you want a delicious drink it's like why not where does that stigma lie sure. you know it's like it's like you can like you were saying like hanging around the house make yourself a mocktail yeah or you're gonna be Probably more pleased because you be—you might be a little more productive.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then and then on the other side too, you know, I'm somebody who um, I I love exercise. Like it has to be a part of my hopefully daily.
1: You're you're a heavy uh, avid rock climber, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and recently like a lot of yoga, but the the health side is very important to me. Sure. But I'm constantly disappointed too, where you seek out juice bars or you know healthy eating places, and it's always incredibly bright lights you know you've got the sound of the juicer running in the background obviously that has to happen unless you have like a cold you know a cold press uh juicer um and you know it's just like you know screaming children everywhere like the point (laughs) is is the ambiance is not awesome and then the juice is just like put into a plastic container and then off you go so i think that my question is more like why doesn't this exist where you can have the community, where you can have the beautiful creation, where you can have that experience and that hospitality, um, you know, and have something that's, again, it's a, a non-alcoholic option if you'd like, or a low-proof option if you'd like.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's, it's become more of a thing, but you're starting to see it more on menus too. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I was just at Seamstress, Pam Wisnitzer's mm-hmm. place uh, up, uptown. Don't ask me what I was doing up there. <laughs> that's so weird that it's I was far, yeah. above 14th Street even, but <laughs> She has a a section on the menu. Julie Reiner and Clover Club and Flatiron both have uh, sections on the menu always of mocktails. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, I think it's just a a very nice, like, step of service, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like you're servicing, the people who, like, roll their eyes at, like, a a mocktail order when it comes through. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, God, what what kind of variation of a lemonade I'm going to make. Sure. It's like, and that's usually what it is. It's Mm -hmm. some sort of, like, you know, I know that. I do some sort of uh, mojito variation mm-hmm. typically. You know, I'll use like elderflower syrup or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's always like very well regarded. But to me, it's, I don't know, it's like it's one of those, you're cutting out a giant like chunk of your clientele mm-hmm. by like not, uh, you know, uh, like not uh, supplying them with the option, mm-hmm.
2: you know. And it's it's in particular, it's really interesting to me that, um, you know, we're talking about some of the best And this is not, by the way, meant to be a criticism to any phenomenal program whatsoever. But, um, you know, some of the best uh, skilled, most skilled bartenders in the world are here in New York. And it's just like the way the culture has evolved. It's you order that and the response is oftentimes helpful. But typically, like, you know, you have people who are making these insanely delicious cocktails who have the capacity to make these amazing mocktails and just kind of like turn on the, like, I don't know what I'm doing
1: hat. You, you know, road. to me, to me, that is like, I learned something very important from uh, a group of, uh, of restaurants and bars in, in DC. Mm-hmm. Something that it's kind of like an overlying, like overarching theme uh, of some of these places like Comey and little Cerro. They, they have VIPs coming in all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you you're basically everyone's a VIP, right? But the VIPs, they come in, they don't, like, fawn over them. They mm-hmm. they really pay attention to their guests, you know, which I think is really important because that makes it more impressive, mm-hmm. you know. So people are coming totally. in to have, like, uh, you know, the best Negroni or Manhattan, mm-hmm. you know, that New York can provide. It's actually, to me, it's more important, you know, thinking about it in that way where it's like, all right, well, the mocktail. If someone, for any number of reasons, doesn't drink alcohol. hmm can't drink alcohol. It's like you really have to impress those people. Sure. You know, that's that's really that's where the the focal point should shift to, I think.
2: And it's it's interesting too because um so uh, um I read the book Danny Meyer's book Setting the Table mm-hmm. maybe five times years ago, <laughs> right? I mean, I I love the book. I thought it had, you know, infinite uh, amounts of of uh, pearls of wisdom you know, that are applicable to every industry, right? Not just hospitality. And I remember him saying something um, which really echoed something I'd been thinking internally for a long time, but just had never voiced, which is, you know, the the individual person coming to the bar or to the restaurant is the person you want to impress the most. And that's consistently the person who is also neglected, at least in my experience, um, in bars and restaurants, because that person comes in, people say, and this drives me bananas, people say oh just one like if if i hear that i'll oh, smile yeah. about it but i will be internally freaking out <laughs> just yeah because fyi
1: yeah that's it's yeah like like you're, you're just having water it's like this weird like backhanded sales kind of thing yeah. it's like it's kind of weird yeah but the just one the that's it, that you're like all right all right dude i like to like go out by myself it might i'm you know like the other night i went to a, a barbecue place in park slope and, like, I wanted to go by myself. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to hide out, actually. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. want
2: to. Totally. You know totally. you
1: know how it is. I mean, like, you know, like, most of the service industry in New York City. So sometimes you just want to hide out. Yeah. <laughs> but when they asked me, they were like, just one? I'm like, yeah, man. I, I do want to be just wondering. You're like my uh, head just fucking exploded. But, but yeah, it's like don't don't make me feel weird about it. Yeah. Know?
2: Well, it's it's not only that. So so the reason I think it actually connects to the mocktail thing is that for whatever reason, and again, I think it's it's different reasons in every establishment. But I think there is a perception of like either that person that person is going to take up half the seats you would need for a two top, mm-hmm. or they're not going to spend as much money, or you know I, I don't know what the other reasons to not service that person similarly is or are yeah. but um i think it's the same with the mocktail um but that is like that person has basically said to you i'm here because i want to be here and i want to be here so much i don't need to drag other people with me you right
1: know? yeah totally and so I'm it's like, the same you know, thing Honestly, with the th- my thing is like when i go out by myself i i over oh yeah so it's oh, like yeah i whenever i see someone solo at my bar it's like all right cool man I think, I think we're right here together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, all right. I mean, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's one person. Maybe you don't get the steak for two. I'm like, I don't I get two You're steaks like, I- for <laughs> two, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, like, like totally. when I went out to the barbecue place the other night, I got, like, wings and nachos and, uh, like, all kinds of terrible food. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, just not good for you. Like, sure. we're, like we're sitting across the, the, the studio right now talking about... You're like very healthy, and I'm talking about the the nachos that had like queso dip all over. Them. No,
2: hold on a second. Let me just let me just like stop for one second and say one of the reasons that I love this idea is that I think like I I pork belly is one of my favorite things in the world, and oh, yeah. I love fried food, fried chicken, special spot in my heart. So one of the really positive things about making those decisions, like when you're craving whatever, like a juice forward beverage, mm-hmm. if you can make that healthy decision then you can totally make the way worse decision later you know like, yeah, it yeah. just gives you more flexibility i was talking to <laughs> a buddy of
1: mine yesterday and he was like dude he's like i go to the gym every day he's like i go to the gym every day he's like well at least five five days a week he's mm-hmm. like the reason why he's like i love drinking beer yeah,
2: yeah. he's like i have yeah. to go to the
1: gym if i want to drink beer
2: totally totally and i was like
1: right on man i get it i get it he's like you don't you don't work as a bartender so you're not like constantly like moving kegs around it's like that's my gym you know? sure sure sure
2: sure sure. but
1: so like go back to the 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 mocktails like they're very impressive like if if anyone like you should definitely we should talk about like your uh your instagram handle so people mm-hmm. can follow it and know what we're talking about here but um the, they're styled like they're very very beautiful drinks. thank you and like i do i do some cocktail styling um for different publications but like looking at your instagram feed it's like There's some really, really whimsical, like, amazing styles of garnishes. You know, like, it's, to me, like, I I was working at ZZ's Clam Bar for a while with Thomas Wan and and Brian Miller and Phil Ward, and uh, they, you know, Thomas has a crazy vision, you know, like, have you, you've been to ZZ's? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, So you understand, like, the presentation of it. Sure. It's so impressive. The drinks are fairly simple, Mm -hmm. but the presentation is just outstanding, Mm -hmm. right? So to me, it got me thinking, like outside of the actual drink itself, and like more about like the garnishes and presentation. And yours, you're doing a lot of like droppers of like oils mm-hmm. and bitters and stuff like that, and like on the top of the drinks. And like it's really, really incredible. Are you pulling that reference from like any any particular like culinary side, or mm-hmm. is it just something like something you've seen like visually, like in your travel? You travel a lot.
2: Uh, I I have I have traveled a lot. I I actually don't know um, exactly where. It's coming from, I know that, um, like, I'm, I'm a relatively experienced bar person. I've been doing this for, like, my entire life. But um, <laughs> I'm, a, like, a total novice cooking. And so um, I'm doing, like, a lot of flavor exploration in that direction. And so I, I suppose I'm just trying to integrate the two. Yeah. Um, and it's a, also a general question of, like, why don't we see more culinary ingredients incorporated, especially when people are making shrubs but they're not using drops of vinegar. Like as garnish, which um, I I kind of feel like on the presentation side, with the exception of the, you know, of the cloth that I'm using in the background, I do want every, every garnish or every visual, I guess, additive and not additive like.
1: Right, right. Thank you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Accompaniment.
2: Um, yeah, um, I, I wanted to have a, a relevant, like a, a relevant place in the flavor profile as well. So um, there was actually one that I had um, taken photos of the other day. I'm forgetting which one. Oh, it was the it was a beet cocktail that had um, toasted sesame seed, black pepper, and salt rim, and then sesame oil on the surface. I'm forgetting what the other ingredients were exactly, but I had made these little cucumber slices as an alternative garnish for that. Um, and then I drank the cocktail and I ate the cucumber slices and I was like, damn it, this, should, this would have been – like I should have incorporated this somehow because it totally was a palate cleanser. Um, but I had already just drank it. <laughs> I didn't have any left and I didn't have any time left. So um, so I didn't add it. But I do think it should it should impact the flavor too. I
1: think that's cool though also like on the side. Like, you know, there's the uh, – is it the ideal cocktail? The classic cocktail that comes with like – it it typically it comes with a side of almonds. Ah, as a snack. Sure. I always like that. It's like sure. the drink is like kind of like traveling, you know? It's like it's <laughs> breaking out of the glass, you know? Uh-huh. I love that idea. I also like sidecars of beer. I think that's pretty cool. Sure,
2: too. sure, sure. But, yeah, but totally. as far as
1: like as far as my go, I think there's a cool way of like doing that. I think that's a great idea. You know, one the first times I went to my well, um, when they first opened, uh, Phil was making some drinks. And he just took like a cucumber, started slicing it up. Threw it on a plate with some lime juice and salt and pepper, mm-hmm. and it was like, and he's Delicious. like, here you go, little snack. I'm like, whoa, yeah. You just did that with the stuff that we had behind the bar, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was really impressive. Yeah, yeah, and totally. it had nothing to do with the drink. It was just like cool hospitality, and kind of. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I like the sidecar of a snack.
2: No, totally. It's also it's it's very weird to me. So I, I spent a lot of time bartending in Boston, and um, at the time, anyway, cocktail culture there was totally embedded in restaurants. And it's now somehow split out. So there's more cocktail bars that are – they're still connected to food somehow, but they're like a little bit more separate. But coming to New York um, and starting to really get into the cocktail scene here, I was just totally shocked that like the cocktail world kind of floats independent of that. Um, And so that, again, being in such a trend-setting space as New York City, it's just confusing to me that there's not more excellent food programs, excellent beverage programs that – Um, I guess I'm sort of, um, like coexist, but also really, really heavily influence each other. So part of the oils thing is I don't see, I really don't see oil cocktails. Although since I started this Instagram feed, a number of my friends have been like, but hey, I do stuff with oil too. I'm like, great! I want to see. I want to see it. Yeah. But that's something that you see that in, um, you know, in, in some of the more contemporary um, food applications too, where people are just, you know, they're dotting purees or they're dotting oils or whatever it may be. And, and I think that there's great reason to incorporate that into cocktail culture too. And,
1: and there, there are so many amazing like vinegar and oil companies out there mm-hmm. that are. I, I had an article in the Times like, like three years ago. And it was about vinegar cocktails, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, so then with the next couple of weeks, I started getting cases and cases (laughs) of oil and vinegar sent to me from all these distributors (laughs) and, like, importers who were just like, oh, my God, I can't believe you guys are doing stuff with, like, vinegars and oils, like – Here's our entire like catalog, yeah. And so I have probably like 400 bottles of like vinegar and oil. Oh
2: my god! Well, if you want to share, <laughs> yeah, I totally will.
1: Totally will. Cool. Because I'm I, there's no way in hell that I'm going to get through all that by myself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But uh, but it, like really like really nice stuff too, like 100 mm-hmm. year old Balsamics, like, crazy stuff. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. I
2: want I took on that. that
1: one home. <laughs> the rest are at Meats. Got it. But um, but yeah, I think it's really cool to incorporate. You know, that's. Something we've talked about on the show before too is like the that relationship with like the front and the back of the house mm-hmm. and how god man it's it's we we've come a long way but it's still like it's that that separation you know and we should be working together you know right. cuz i mean there's so much that we can learn from each other you know like the mm-hmm. the front and back of the house it, and i i've been fortunate enough to to be able to work for most of the, the time I've been a bartender to work with really awesome chefs and cooks who are like, you know, the door's always open, but, mm-hmm. but I know that it's not always the case, mm-hmm. right? Of course, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. So you're going to do what in my spice rack? Uh, get out of here.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I think that, I think that part of that cause I've thought about that a lot as well, but I think that part of that is there, you know, there's this really established food culture With hierarchy that's existed for whatever, you know, a gazillion years Mm -hmm. Um, where it's like, okay, this is the chef. This is their role. This is the sous chef. This is their role. Chef de cuisine, blah, 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 blah. Um, And part of that is, you know, is like the we chef thing, Mm -hmm. which is like I will do whatever I'm asked to do. No questions asked. And that training program and that um, culture of, again, understanding that you have to execute your job. According to the demands of um, of the leader, that hasn't existed in the same way in the cocktail culture, anyway. Yeah. Obviously, there's that hierarchy somewhat in wine. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, oh, you know? for sure.
2: Um, but I think that that might be part of it too. Is it's kind of two different cultures that are like like holding not holding hands, they're like holding pinkies.
1: You know? Yeah, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're doing like one of those like <laughs> kind of just like roaming around the uh, the peacock garden hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's. I don't know. I think there's also a lot of. I don't know. I'm probably gonna get some hate mail from this, but I think there's <laughs> like some some backlash too from the popularity of cocktail culture, like like growing so quickly. Um, uh, it's the like, it's, it plays into the the restaurant and bar, mm-hmm. uh, entity itself. You know, it's like all right, well, you know, I went to uh, CIA or you know, uh, and I went, you know, I did. Uh, some studying abroad, like in the Bordeaux region, I'm like an expert on it, and got like my master sommelier. And uh, like, they're you know, like, all right, so this kid who just uh, just walked in the bar and like like to throw some whiskey in a glass has got all this press, you know?
2: Sure, sure. And I mean, and I and I get that because I, I totally mean, understand
1: it. by the way. Well,
2: because yeah, because you can you can teach you can teach somebody to look like they know what they're doing on the cocktail side of things in an hour to two hours. You can. It's just a fact. Where to teach somebody how to grill properly or saute properly or, you know, make a whatever, a demi-gloss, that's a tremendous... More a, a huge amount it's more
1: incredibly effort, incredibly insane. Like it's intimidating as hell to me. Like, sure, I do. I do one thing really well, and it's actually <laughs> a really well done <laughs> burger because I don't know anything about it. <laughs> eggs, what about eggs? Eggs? Oh uh, yeah, I'd scramble scrambled. Scrambled? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. Um, but so I, I think that there's, I think that there's that, and then I mean, let's be honest, we're all kind of creatives, and we know creatives are sensitive and yeah. ego driven in a lot of ways, and yeah. so I think that that's part of it. It's like you're putting yourself. On a plate or in a glass. And, um, you know, if the person next to you with a different skill set does that and you don't have a really solid partnership or collaboration going, I totally see that being a, you know, a pain point. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everyone, like all chefs are competitive with other chefs. Sure. And same with uh, the wine world and same with bartenders. And it's, <laughs> we don't need to compete with each other, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like there's been several times where I've been asked about like, you know, why there aren't like, like bartending reality shows it's just because there's not the, it's the lowest drama level <laughs> of like the, the three of them. If you want to go food, wine and, and mm-hmm. cocktail stuff, bar stuff, um, it's like the lowest level of drama, so you can't create like good TV with that, you know. <laughs>
2: well, but I mean, is reality TV generally good TV? I mean, no, it's, it's not. It depends on what it is, right? Like, yeah. Because there are like Amish
1: Mafia. Yeah, I love that. Haven't show. seen it. Uh, I mean, neither. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, hmm. I no. I feel like you could totally create some drama, uh, create some drama there. But um, I, I mean, I think that like if anyone attends cocktail competitions, that's like that yeah, for the yeah. camera. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> you I just know, judged like, one the other
1: night, and it was intense.
2: Sure, sure. I didn't like it. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I don't know. I, I think the here's the thing: is collaboration that mostly does not make good TV in that time frame, like in that sure. formula. Yeah. Right. So if you're just like these people get along great and they're making a badass product, that doesn't fit well until like a half an hour. You know, people no. are like, "Yeah," and what happened? Nothing happened. You yeah. know, so that's why it's like Someone okay. didn't
1: throw a drink in the other one. Exactly, place. exactly,
2: yeah. exactly. But, Changing in
1: the channel now, <laughs> right?
2: But I do think, and this is where, like, I, I mean, maybe, maybe radio is, or maybe radio is not the right place for that. But maybe it's radio. Maybe it's, um, you know, I mean, there's um, uh, Jiro, uh, Jiro dreams of sushi. Mm-hmm. That you know, that sort of thing, which is, I think, I could easily see that extended. Yeah, I
1: think, I think the thing about the documentary. Uh, documentary style of of exposing that information is a hell of a lot better. You know, you mm-hmm. don't need a TV show about it. You know, like when it comes yeah. to something like that, um, and, and I mean, well, it's someone like yourself who's worked on like a lot of sides, you've you've done like. You still do a lot of like classes at like Astra Center, mm-hmm. and and you've worked for Bacardi for a long time mm-hmm. and Sobeiso, mm-hmm. and uh, so you've worked on like every like pretty like pretty much every side of of that industry. Um, do you see, not to get you in trouble or anything, but do you okay. see do you <laughs> see a lot of that like competitive edge and like earth? I mean like you're just you're now like, you kind of took a break from bartending for a little while, yep, but now you're heading back into it. Yep. Um, is there, is that because of maybe something that was happening crazy in the, hmm. the industry?
2: Um,
1: or did you just miss it like crazy? Cause I bet you did. That's
2: a, that's, <laughs> a, that's, that's a really interesting.
1: Cause we've all missed you behind the door. Oh, right?
2: aw. and, and I, and I, and I did, I did miss it. The, I think the hours are, are not for everybody, right? No, not um, at all. And not for everybody for the duration of their life. Right. right. Um, but there's, there's something, there's something I, I think the thing that I miss the most was that ability to again to make something for somebody and to hopefully exceed somebody's expectations and make them feel welcome um and again say hey I made this for you like specifically. Right. Um and of course we all know that on you know on the crazy busy nights that's harder to do because you have less time to spend with each person, right? So there's that. Um But I don't know. I think it was – I I really enjoyed many, many, many aspects of the brand work that I did. And um, I feel like I learned a lot um, about the industry, about where I think I fit the best, um, and about what I don't want to do. So I just feel like this this phase that I'm in right now um, is I really wanted to – get into a place where i'm really focusing very intensely on certain things that i want to learn Um, and i think that recently i have done a lot of things that i needed to do for business reasons um, and i'm happy to have done that but i feel like my learning um, uh, curve has dropped pretty significantly so i really want to immerse myself again
1: yeah i I think that's really important i always tell bartenders when i'm training them i'm like dude you got to you just have to taste everything mm-hmm. you know and especially mm-hmm. like with what you're doing with uh with cocktails is like you gotta with with mocktails is you have to you have to taste everything mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that's really exciting to me because since you're cutting out the the alcohol influence you're cutting out like a significant amount of flavors that are that cocktails are relying on you know so making a delicious drink without any of these influences is, is it's got to be very difficult, right?
2: I actually don't even I, I don't think so. I think uh, um, so. We are all once least... you,
1: once you get out of the cocktail mindset, I think you're. I think it's sure, probably you're easier, free. right? You're
2: liberated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think so. For for me, I, the first the first couple that I did, um, you know, I was like, oh, okay, the way you see people make it, the stuff in juice bars is that they just throw a bunch of crap in. Like they don't. They may measure, sure. but we know that fruit is not the same size and vegetables not the same size fruit to fruit right um or piece to piece so you see people just stuff a bunch of things into the juicer and then out comes something else and they're like "Eh, here you go this is what i made you which is the list of the ingredients right um so i think the the first kind of like teeny tiny epiphany that i had was like okay okay, i'm gonna i'm gonna juice this all separately i'm gonna measure i'm gonna apply the knowledge that i have about cocktails in terms of ratios yeah Um, the
1: formula exactly yeah
2: exactly um to To this um, and and see kind of how it goes. Um, so, sorry, what was the question? I just got oh, off on I my was, own little.
1: No, I was just saying. Uh, you know, it's it's important to taste everything, and like, okay, but also, yeah. I guess where I was going with that too is like you've kind of tasted everything as far as the industry goes too. Sure. Like yeah. every style of uh, of approaching that. You know, it's it's really important. I think also from like a management style too. It's really important to know like how. Like ordering and distribution, like like from being on the business side sure. uh, of like you know doing the work with Bacardi and stuff like that, and like to to doing the the classes that you do, um, and to being partner. it's like very important to know like first of all what what the cost is, and you know sure. to make sure that you can actually do something and get creative with it at, at a price that's not going to kill people. Sure, and I think that's I think you know it's funny that that we're talking about this today because I've, I've been thinking so much about mocktails lately mm-hmm. but I don't, like, I, it's great to talk to you about this because, like, my approach is to take, like, a classic cocktail but then make it into something non-alcoholic but yep. you just have to completely, like, disassemble and, like, like look at it in a new way, right? I mean, it's like, it's a whole, a whole new process.
2: I would, I would say so. And then something else that I've been thinking about a lot as well is that what, again, when you order mocktails in a bar, typically people will say, okay, well, I'm going to adapt because it's juice. I'm going to adapt a sour ratio, right? So I'm going to take, I'm going to omit the spirit. I'm going to use a sweetener and a citrus to balance it out. And then I'm going to add whatever else. And that's something that again, in my limited Instagram feed on the topic, um, you know, I've I've tried to entirely omit syrups, which that is a, like a an That's interesting crazy. restriction. <laughs> In one I did a, a hot cocktail, um, where I incorporated honey. Um it was honey, I think ginger, some citrus, uh whatever, um red pepper flakes, kefir, lime leaves, etc. Um and that one I did do I think it was a, a teaspoon or, or or two of honey into a into a larger uh glass because it really needed that to complete the drink Mm -hmm. but so i guess back to the the kind of original thought is that oftentimes i think when people order soda water when they don't want to drink um they're trying to part do without the calories part do without the alcohol um and then when you get a mocktail that's half sugar you're kind of like well that sucks yeah (laughs) um so anyway so that's so that is something that i have i have thought about a lot is it's like how how the point is not to be like bashing you over the head this is healthy but it is to say everything i'm going to give you or everything i'm going to incorporate into this is good for you yeah um and the focus is is flavor just pure deliciousness and beauty and then second to that is hey by the way this is all made of like totally fresh just juiced or again cold press if you have a a cold press Mm -hmm. juicer um, and can maintain the nutrients for longer. Um, you know, all of this is is also really good for you. Like, there's no regrets there. It's
1: amazing. It's such a beautiful feed. Can you tell them uh, where to find your Thanks. Instagram? Yeah.
2: So, um, so my handle is that what you call yeah, it? sure. I, I keep, I'm like tag handle whatever nickname is um is April Wachtel. So it's all one word, April, like the month. Wachtel, W A C H T E L, and then um, the hashtags that I'm using are uh, a mocktail a day, so a mocktail a day, and mocktailia and Mocktail Porn, which was given to me by the guys at Rum Line <laughs> down in Miami. Um,
1: oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. We're, was Todd Richmond there?
2: Uh, he, he has been there, but he was not there. <laughs> yeah, I, there
1: I, I usually run into him at the Rum Line.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. It's been so nice to have you on the show today. This Unfortunately, awesome. we're out of time, but I would love to have you back anytime Aww. that you're, you're available.
2: Thanks, Damon. This was uh, wonderful.
1: Thanks again, April. Okay, All right. Fine. Fine. That's it for the Speakers of this week. Check in to HeritageRadioNetwork.org for many, many more like it. Cheers.